You're listening to a message from Victory Lipa. We hope this message inspires you to honor God and make disciples. Hello everyone. Welcome to week two of our mission series for 2021 called Light for the Nations. I am so grateful to all our Victory Churches, pastors, and members that we can set aside two weekends every year to highlight world missions, something very close to the heart of God and very close to us as a church. On behalf of our Bishop Council, the missions team, and all our missionaries, thank you for faithfully partnering with us through the years, especially during this challenging season of global crisis. Thank you for praying, for giving, and for going. And I hope that in this series, we will give others the opportunity to join us and become our mission partners in what the Lord is doing in the nations. You know, missions may seem like a ministry priority to us, but you know, to our Lord Jesus, missions is something very, very personal. In fact, in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, it says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you, speaking of Jesus, to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and by your blood, Speaking of the blood of Jesus, you ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Listen, nothing could get any more personal than this, than someone shed his blood to save people. The word ransom means to redeem, to purchase, to buy back people for God. And Jesus did it by his very blood. Similarly, in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9, it says, But we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, He might taste death for everyone. This is why the task of world missions is very personal to Jesus. And I hope it becomes very personal to us too. You know, it is such an honor to share God's word with you concerning God's heart for the nations and how we as Christians and churches filled and empowered with His Holy Spirit can be faithful in our responsibility to be His witnesses beginning in our cities to the ends of the earth. In week one, we look at the servant who brings light to the world. This servant came to symbolize hope even during a dark period. From the words of Pastor Michael that, who preached so powerfully last week, he came, Jesus came to embody the fact that judgment was not the final reality. The final reality is the faithfulness and the grace of God and the certainty of His covenant. We know this was fulfilled in the life of Jesus, the Son of God destined to be Savior and Redeemer of the world. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He came to save us, gave purpose for our lives, gave purpose for our existence. As we always say, God saved us for a purpose. And one of these purposes was to be His witnesses to the ends of the earth, to be His ambassadors entrusted with a ministry of reconciliation to bring as many people as we can to Jesus. This leads us now into our week two theme, which focuses on the herald who proclaims good news. You know, from day one, we as Victory and Every Nation have always been committed to the nations. Why? Because God wants to see the whole earth filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, even as the waters covers the sea. 
This is why God gave us the Great Commission. As we see in Matthew 12, uh, 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 21, and Acts chapter 1. The mandate is very clear. Go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Thankfully today, and by the grace of God, we have 186 long-term missionaries serving in 40 nations. You know, this is so significant. Considering the churches who don't engage in mission loses their cutting edge and tantamount to salt losing its saltiness. Churches that don't engage in extending the work beyond their local churches is tantamount to ministries building their own tower of Babels. God wants our churches to be houses of prayer for all the nations. God is determined to see His kingdom forcefully advance in the nations of the world. And so today we will have the opportunity to be encouraged, to be taught by the Word of God regarding our responsibility to partner with God in reaching and discipling the nations of the world. Our text today comes from the book of Isaiah, which, is, which has been the focus of our study for all of 2021. So our text comes from Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7 to 10. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings goodness of happiness, who publishes salvations, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Verse 8, the voice of your watchmen lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted His people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Verse 10, the Lord has bared His holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. You know, the overall theme of the book of Isaiah was redemptive in nature. It was to call the nation of Judah back to God and to tell of God's salvation through His Messiah. The first half of the book of Isaiah from chapters 1 to 39 contains sharp denunciations and judgments as it calls Judah, Israel, and the surrounding nations to repent of their sins. The last 27 chapters from verse 40 to 66, however, are filled with consolation and hope as Isaiah unfolds God's promise of future blessings through His Messiah. As we look at Isaiah chapter 52, the whole chapter can be seen as a type or picture of God's plan of salvation that culminates at the end of the age. It portrays a call for people to live their bondage of sin because the Lord offers them redemption and deliverance. See, the journey back to Zion becomes a symbol of the ultimate fulfillment of God's promises. The Lord will redeem His people from all evil and purify His name from the blasphemy and mockery of the world. So Isaiah 52 verse 1 to 2 starts with God calling His people to exchange their humiliating condition for their position of rightful service. It says, in verse 1, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For there shall no more come into you the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Be seated, O Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. 
Then from verse 3 to 6, the Lord intends to vindicate His name by delivering His people from bondage. Reading from the New Living Translation, verse 3 of Isaiah 52 says, For this is what the Lord says, When I sold you into exile, I received no payment. Now I can redeem you without having to pay for you. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, Long ago my people chose to live in Egypt. Now they are oppressed by Assyria. What is this? asked the Lord. Why are my people enslaved again? Those who rule them shout in exultation. My name is blasphemed all day long, but I will reveal my name to my people and they will come to know its power. Then at last they will recognize that I am the one who speak to them. As we see the children of Israel sold them slaves into judgment by their sin. As a consequence, they have suffered under the heels of two oppressors, Egypt and Assyria. But the Lord has never given up on His people. In each case, God had bared the arm of His power to deliver them from physical bondage and paralyzing fear. Therefore, in so many words, the Lord God says, I will do it again so that my people shall know my name and shall know my power. This brings us now to our text where we see great joy and celebration over the announcement of this good news. And the basis for this praise and celebration is that our God reigns. This good news refers, of course, to Israel's deliverance from exile. This wonderful news of the gospel announces peace and salvation. And those who respond by faith to the call of God to start their journey back to Jerusalem, in turn, become bearers of His good news. Let me share with you three important insights from this passage. Number one, the messengers who proclaim the good news have beautiful feet and are a blessing. Verse 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news. You know, when we speak of physical beauty, we seldom, if ever, even refer to the feet as beautiful. But for a person in a life in that situation, the instrument of salvation will appear to be a thing of beauty regardless of its appearance. For instance, to a person lost at sea, an old fishing boat approaching with a ring boy tied to a rope would be as beautiful as anything could be. To a person dying of thirst, a cup of water, even if it's worn and beaten let me tell you, would be a beautiful cup. To a minor trap underground, the very presence of a sweaty, dirty rescuer would be a beautiful sight. You know, similarly to the exiles who lost the hope that they might ever be free again, the messenger who announces peace and goodness of salvation is beautiful right down to his feet. I don't know about you, but I love good news. I always marvel at hearing good news. When we hear a nation open up, a missionary getting, getting a long-term visa, a local getting saved, families turning to Christ. It is so encouraging. Now imagine sharing the goodness to someone that will not only enjoy the benefits for a moment, but for the rest of eternity. Do you know that the Apostle Paul quoted Isaiah 50 to 7? In Romans chapter 10, verse 15, Paul talked about the importance and the necessity for God's messengers to proclaim the good news. 
Paul said this in Romans chapter 10. Allow me to read this from the NIV. Romans 10 verse 14. It says, How then shall they call on the one they had not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, here goes the quote, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. See, the goal of gospel proclamation is so people will call on the name of the Lord. But no one can call on the Lord unless there is something to believe about Him. No one can believe the gospel unless someone carries the message to Him. In other words, the failure of the world to hear the gospel is the failure of the church to send workers to preach God's good news. Do you know that it's estimated that 17 million people die every single day without having heard the name of Jesus? Do you know what that translates on a daily basis? That's 46,500 people per day crushing the threshold of eternity without salvation, without Jesus. This is why to the contrary, we have the opportunity to save and change lives through Jesus Christ and impact future generations of people by preaching the gospel to them. Let me share a story of one of our disciples in the nation of Kyrgyzstan. Aidana was reached out by our veteran missionary, Dr. Janet Eason in 2012, one of those people that have beautiful feet. When she heard about the unconditional love of God, speaking of Idana, she decided to surrender her life to Jesus, got connected to church, got discipled, became one of our faithful leaders. Just this year, March 2021, amidst the pandemic, Idana completed her master's degree in Japan. You know, most Central Asians would consider going out of the country as a ticket to a better future. But not for Aydana. As soon as she finished her master, she decided to go home in Kyrgyzstan. She talked to her pastor about how she felt God is calling her to serve in full-time ministry. Despite several offers to work for multinational companies that guarantees a much, much higher pay, she declined the offer and continued her application to be trained in the School of Campus Ministry. She is currently in her second month of training and will graduate by the end of this year. You know what's amazing though? She is our very first ever local leader from all of Central Asia region to answer God's call to full-time ministry. Praise God. You know, God calls every Christian to proclaim the truth of the gospel, whether full-time or not, whether at home or in foreign missions. It is true that God calls some to go to far-flung fields, but everyone has the mission to proclaim the gospel. The beauty and wonder of seeing souls saved from hell to live eternally in heaven is something to behold. There is both the beauty and the necessity in the mission word. The second insight is this. The message we are to proclaim is that our God reigns. Allow me to read to you the second half of verse 7 that says, Who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. 
What Isaiah was foreshadowing for us was the ultimate message of salvation and the eternal reign of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ brought us freedom and set us free from captivity and bondage to sin. Instead of alienation, God adopted us into His family and gave us the right to become children of God. Jesus gave us freedom to experience life to the fullest here on earth and promised us eternal life with Him in heaven. Hallelujah. Truly, the Lord reigns. Praise God. For Israel, the captivity experience in Babylon was real. It was painful. It was humiliating. It was destructive for them. It took away their peace, their happiness, their hope for the future. But the goodness of the return to Zion was glorious. The message of God reigning was greeted with great joy. Similarly, we too were captives and lost to sin. There is no hope of forgiveness, reconciliation, redemption. We can't fix our problem. We are captive. And then a messenger comes along with a beautiful message of God's gift of a Savior, Jesus Christ, whose life, death, and resurrection brought us forgiveness, peace, happiness, freedom, purpose, and hope through faith. We can know for sure that the Lord Jesus reigns. For where God reigns, peace reigns. For where God reigns, good news reigns. Where God reigns, salvation reigns. What a marvelous declaration. And that message is indeed beautiful. Let me tell you another story of Matthew from Myanmar. In 2001, Pastor Carlo and his family were sent to Myanmar to plant our church in the midst of military rule. Because our God reigns even in the midst of chaos and uncertainties, people are getting saved. The church grew and seven years later, 2008 to be exact, the church are led by locals who now serve as pastors and campus missionaries. By the way, this has always been our dream that the missionaries will not perpetually do the work, but to equip locals and entrust the work, not only uh, in their city, but to disciple their entire nation. Today, despite the military coup, the unrest and the fear that shake their nation, God continues to reign and work through their peop through His people. In the middle of political chaos, we open our church, we fed people, we provide shelter for young people who want to fight for their country's freedom. One encouraging story is that of Matthew, one of the first fruits of campus ministry in Myanmar. Just in the recent election, the second largest political party invited him to be their representative to run for the three towns in northern Myanmar. His goal was to protect the resources in these three towns and help allocate revenues to the locals. Sadly, Matthew did not win, but this strengthened his resolve that God had other plans. And true enough, just shortly after Matthew, uh, after that incident, his defeat, Matthew was appointed deputy minister for electricity and energy by the new government. So in the midst of this heartbreaking political unrest happening now, his appointment shows that God truly reigns and continues to use him as a godly influence in his nation. And moving along in verse 8, it says, the voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye, they see the return of the Lord to Zion. You know, watchmen in the Bible were tasked to look out 
for approaching danger, but we would be more delighted to see a messenger bearing good news and to announce the good news. According to Ezekiel, the prophets were the leading watchmen for the nation. But a sober warning is issued to watchmen who failed in their task. It says in Ezekiel 33.6, But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. Today, some would refer to watchmen as intercessors because of their role in standing in the gap for the nation interceding for the protection as well as the salvation of people. Just imagine the joy of these watchmen as they lift up their voices and sing and celebrate together. They rejoice because they see God accomplishing His deliverance and salvation for the people. You know, we too are exhorted by our Lord Jesus in Mark 14 to watch and pray, to intercede, to stand in the gap for people. And finally, the third insight I want to share with you from this passage. Because of God's power, we can believe for all the nations to be saved. Verse 10, it says, The Lord has bared His holy, holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. You know, we can claim the nations as our inheritance, because of God's power, the expression made bare his holy arm is a Hebrew idiom derived from one rolling up his sleeve before starting the work. Some strong men like to bare their arms to reveal their muscles. And here we see the Lord Jesus revealing his muscles to all nations, not just Israel. Jesus did this by defeating death. And as Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 puts it, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. I love, I love how this played out in Psalms chapter 2 where it says, verse 1, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? Verse 2, The kings of the earth set themselves up and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. Verse 4, he who sits in the heavens laughs. We know that's the Lord. The Lord holds them in derision. In fact, the message Bible, that phrase used, says God is amused at their presumption. Verse 6, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. And verse 8, ask of me. You're familiar with this verse. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. On the basis of God's authority, sovereignty, and supremacy, we can boldly ask the Lord for the nations as our inheritance. We did this when we launched our 2020 initiative where we believe God for three nations because that's what the Lord said, ask for me the nations. And you know what? God faithfully gave us three nations every year. And in Matthew 28 verse 18, Jesus made this declaration and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So on the basis of this authority that Jesus now commissions us in verse 19, to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Back to Isaiah 52 verse 10. This verse concludes by saying, And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. The salvation that God offers through Jesus Christ is clearly not limited to Judah or to Israel, but to all the ends of the earth. Let me tell you another story. Just recently, we celebrated just one year anniversary to one of our newest church plant in Central Asia. That's the nation of Kazakhstan. Never in our natural minds can we even imagine going to a nation whose name we can hardly even pronounce. But God wants us to reach and be a light to all nations. Our team of six lost no time to engage the local students and not long after they find themselves engaging about 75 of them. And by the grace of God, 15 have already given their lives to Jesus and all are going through one-to-one. By the grace of God, we now have our own center for worship, discipleship training, and outreach activities. And on the day of our first year anniversary, just a few days ago, literally, two students, two passionate disciples, Yera and Dasha, were baptized in the lake just outside our center. Praise God. You see, as we serve to be light to the nations, Isaiah 42 verse 6 had this to say, I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. And in the New Testament, in Acts 13 verse 47, it says, For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you, a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. In conclusion, we all know that the Great Commission is to go into all the world, to carry the good news of salvation to every tribe, tongue, language, and people. God sees this as a beautiful thing when we obey His command and share our faith to others. Your feet were meant to help you carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. You know, thank God for the internet. But computers will never replace the missionary. Discipling the nations require more than just dropping a translated track or making a well-produced video in multiple languages. Discipling the nations means teaching not just what Jesus commanded, but to observe all that He commanded. It means an eagerness to share not only the gospel, the message of the gospel, but our very lives as well. And that does not happen just virtually. Providing a life example to imitate and empowering the disciples to practice what they have learned, received, heard, and seen in us based on Philippians 4.9. The effective discipling of the nations happens best face to face. This is why we stress the importance of going. Jesus already gave us the charge to go. But for some that can't go physically, there are two other ways to have beautiful feet. We can all pray for those who go. And the other is that each of us can give and support those who go. No gift is too small for those who live and serve on the mission field. The prayers 
and money you sow into their lives and ministry will yield a harvest of souls that you will be a part of. Each of us can have beautiful feet in God's sight. God's blessings will be upon us as we follow His commands. Remember again how the Lord described the heralds of God's good news. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news. May the Lord's overflowing blessings be yours as you seek to bless the nations. God bless you all. Let me go ahead and end this by praying for each of you. Father, I thank you first and foremost for the honor and the privilege that we could partner with you in blessing the nations. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us, your people, blessing us, your church, in order for us to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. May you continue to bless uh, the works of the hands of your people. May you continue to give them the ability to make wealth so they have seed to sow to the nations, to partner, whether by going, by praying, by giving. Lord God, thank you for the privilege to go into the nations. We continue to claim, Lord God, nations that have not yet been reached. And we continue to pray for those that we have already discipled, that they will be able to rise up and have a vision for their own nation. Lord God, to multiply leaders and workers to be able to saturate their nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ that one day the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. That one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people shout a big, big amen and amen. Thanks be to God.